This show is brought to you by the Email Laundry, making email safe for your customers. Visit www.theemaillaundry.com forward slash tublog for a very special listener offer and to have your MSP's domain filtered by the Email Laundry for free. You're listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners with our featured conversation with Richard Tubb and Arnie Bellini of ConnectWise. My name's Jeff Nicholson, and this podcast is all about helping you grow your IT business. In this episode, Richard talks with Arnie Bellini, CEO of ConnectWise, a community-driven software company. Arnie started his career as a technology consultant for PricewaterhouseCoopers. But when the PC came out, he realized it was going to change the world. He founded ConnectWise as a technology solutions provider before developing it into the business it is today. Onion and Richard talk about how ConnectWise helps MSPs run their businesses better and sell, how the company operates globally and why it's good to challenge yourself personally and professionally. This episode was recorded at ConnectWise IT Nation Europe in London in person between Richard and Arnie. And now, without further ado, here's Richard Tubb talking with Arnie Bellini. Hi, everyone. Richard Tubb here, and I'm joined by a very special guest today, the CEO of ConnectWise, Arnie Bellini. How are you doing, Arnie? Good, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Well, thank you for making the time to spend with me today. It's been a few years since we've seen each other. I used to be a ConnectWise partner way back in the day. Um, For those who aren't familiar with ConnectWise and who you are as a company, perhaps give a a brief overview. Yeah, sure. Uh, ConnectWise is a community-driven software company dedicated to the success of our customers, Uh, We help them manage their business better, sell faster and more effectively, automate technology and control technology with our ConnectWise suite of products. And the suite of products, what does that incorporate? So that includes a professional service automation solution we call Manage. It it, it also includes uh, remote monitoring and management with Automate. Uh, Remote control, we've got a fantastic remote control solution with Control. Uh, and then also Cell, which is our quote and proposal solution. And what's unique about it is that these are the main products that all technology solution providers need to really effectively run their business. And so we've got them all integrated, all packaged together. Uh, we, we, you know, we've been making acquisitions of these products over the last 10 years. And so now we've got a really great seamless integration between all of them and a consistent user interface and user experience. So. Uh, it's been a pretty amazing journey for us, but probably the thing that I get the most satisfaction out of is just watching our partners grow and have success, right? Because we really believe in technology. We believe that that is probably the world's greatest hope uh, to solve most of the world's problems is going to come from technology. And so we really feel like it's a calling for us to help support and make succeed uh, our customers, our technology solution providers. So we're very, very honored to to have so many of them worldwide. Uh, and that's really who we are. And, and you talked a little bit about, um, during your keynote, uh, disruption or breakthroughs, and you see technology as a great hope for, for the future. Talk a little bit more about that. Where do you see technology making a difference uh, on, a, on a day-to-day basis? Well, you know, you think about all the technological advances that are happening now. You know, you talk to, you read anything from Gartner, 
um, uh, or IDC, they all talk about this wave of disruption that is going through every industry uh, and every business today. So, and every business is really becoming a technology business because they can't survive without it. So the question is, who's gonna implement all of this technology? Who's gonna support all of this technology? And our answer is it's going to be our customers, the ConnectWise partners. And you know that's why we really see this as sort of a calling uh, because it's very important to get that technology implemented and embedded. You know, there's so many examples of technology solving problems that the world has never been able to solve before. And it is our greatest hope. So it's a pretty interesting uh, concept. Take a lot of industries and talk today about uh, the automotive industry and transportation industry. I mean, and the example of Tesla, how they're completely disrupting and changing the whole automotive industry simply because they approached an automobile from a very different perspective. They said, let's start with technology. Let's start with a computer and build a car around it. And so that's one great example. They have got every single auto manufacturer in the world uh, running uh, to create greater technology inside of their uh, uh, automobiles. And another great example is uh, power, right? I mean, solar power holds the opportunity at least uh, to be able to let us unplug from every other fossil fuel uh, on earth. You know, it only was gonna require about 440,000 uh, square miles of solar panels, about the size of Columbia, if you will, to be able to power the entire world. And so, you know, these are problems that the world needs to solve. You know self-driving automobiles, right? We will not have fatal fatalities anymore. A computer's not going to wreck into another car. Well, let's just say once we get it right and it's sure. debugged. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of great hope for, you know, health, uh, the health, uh, the healthcare industry is being completely transformed by uh, technology as well. So, you know, all of the world's problems are being solved. Now I talk about these big ideas, but then I also want to bring it down to something a little bit more practical and the things that we feel that our partners and our customers can take advantage of today. And so we also talked a little bit about that today. Uh, and, and, and we think there's amazing opportunities that are sitting right in front of us. You know, a lot of people get into this industry and they get in with the latest and greatest thing. And so if you're getting into the industry now, you're probably gonna be focused on managed services, which is great, but you can't just look at just one aspect of technology because technology is always moving, right? Just as it's disrupting every industry, it's continuously moving forward. So example, uh, cloud services. Cloud services are gonna be a very important new service, new practice area that every technology solution provider will need to offer to their clients. And so we're very focused on making sure that we understand where the industry is going, where the opportunities will be, not just today, but two, three, four, five years from now, and making sure that our customers are able to take advantage of those early and make plans early to get into those new aspects of technology. How big is the ConnectWise community now in terms of MSPs, for instance? Well, uh, we have, uh, obviously, because we have such a strong presence with managed service providers, and I think that's because we have a great solution for them, but it's also the latest and greatest. It's what's really catching on worldwide. It's It's been going uh, great gangbusters in North America for a long time and, and, and now here in Europe as well. So we're seeing it spread worldwide. Um, so a lot of opportunity there for our partners. Mm -hmm. 
Um, let's talk about your journey for a, a little bit. So for those uh, perhaps unfamiliar with your journey, um, let's rewind a bit. So yeah. ConnectWise uh, was born out of a specific need for one of your businesses. Perhaps talk to, to that, Matt. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I mean, it was really a very interesting journey for us. I, I worked at Pricewaterhouse as a technology consultant. And then when the PC came out, we said, hey, this is going to change the world. Now, it was interesting because my father was branch manager for IBM at the time. And he says, Arnie, 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 no, 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 no. PCs are going to be uh, for the hobbyists. We're going to sell maybe 10,000 of these worldwide. And I disagreed with him. It was one of the few times I disagreed with my father. Uh, so we, I left Pricewaterhouse. We started ConnectWise. Uh, and the rest is kind of history. But what we did is we, we created our own company in the Tampa Bay area, technology solution provider, uh, doing networks and selling PCs and implementing them uh, all from 1982 on. And so we became very, very, very uh, uh, profitable and, and very successful. But what happened to us is as we grew, we really were running into massive roadblocks because we were trying to run our business on four or five different applications. We had contacts and uh, 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 ACPAC, we had uh, spreadsheets uh, for time, we had a big whiteboard for scheduling, uh, we used, you know, project, uh, Microsoft Project for project management, and none of these products talked to each other. And so, you know, as David and I got married and we started having kids, we were, we were realizing it's like life is passing us by. I mean, we're missing our kids' baseball games, we're getting home to dinner late, we're spending all weekend trying to get invoices out. And so that's when we started creating our own solution specifically to solve our own problems. And so necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, once we created the solution, we, we have a lot of friends in the technology industry and we started showing them what we did. And they said, well, you've got to give me a copy of this. And that's kind of how the whole ConnectWise software side of the business started. So, you know, we are our customers and we like to say to them, we are you because we come from the same place. In fact, we still have that company today. It's about 3.5 million pounds a year, brings about 30% to the bottom line. And so it's kind of our Petri dish, right? I mean, we're constantly being able to experiment with our own company, but it gives us a massive domain expertise so that we really are understanding what needs to happen next with our software suite. So it's not software first for us, it was understanding the industry, being in the industry, having success in the industry, and then wanting to be able to share that success with others through our solution. Yeah. And ConnectWise now as a software company, we talked about your presence in North America growing out of uh, Tampa in Florida. You're worldwide now. So talk a little bit about the expansion plans. You're here in the UK, uh, European presence as well. What's next, what's next coming up for uh, the rest of the world? Well, you know, uh, we have an office here in central London. We've been growing very, very rapidly here. This is our European headquarters. Uh, so what's next for us is to continue to focus on expanding our presence here in Europe through our European office here in London. And then we are also taking uh, the opportunity to go down to Australia. We have a large number of partners down in Australia. And so that will be the next office that we open. And then probably the next office we'll open will be, I'm guessing, in Germany. Mm -hmm. So probably in 2018, late 2018, 2019. So that's kind of the journey that we see ahead of us. Yeah, exciting times. So a question for you as a CEO, what's the biggest challenge you find about managing um, what is now a distributed workforce worldwide? 
Yes. Well, you know, uh, that's the interesting thing. Uh, we we drink our own champagne, right? So we use our own solution to run our entire business. So unlike our competitors <laughs> who use all different solutions, we actually use our own products. We use sell, we use manage, we use automate, we use control. So what's great about that is we do have massive collaboration that happens because we're using our own solutions worldwide. Uh, we're able to really coordinate very well with that. Uh, you've been CEO of the company for uh, a number of years now. Yes. What would you say is the one thing that's remained constant in the IT industry, an industry full of change? What's the one idea or value that remains true today as much as when you first started as CEO? Well, you know, I think, you know, the, the, your basic moral values, you know, not compromising those, being transparent with your customers and being honest. Uh, offering, you know, any solution that you have at a, a very fair price. Those have been things that have always done us well because uh, it's all about relationships and creating trust with whoever you're doing business with, whether it's as a technology solution provider or as a software company. So, you know, we are not here. Our focus cannot be making money. That has to be the byproduct of doing a great job for our customers. And so we've always been very focused on that. That has never changed. It has always done us uh, an amazing service. So we're, we're, we're really the only company that's out there that has never actually, we don't have a loan. We have no debt. We have no venture capital. We get to really focus on our customers and doing an amazing job for them. And I think it's because of those, those basic tenants that we've never compromised. How do you remain in touch with your customer base? We talked about ConnectWise, the MSP in Tampa. That's mm -hmm. a good Petri dish, as you called it, for, um, you know, for learning what's true in the industry. How do you keep in touch with your customers worldwide on a day-to-day -day and a week-to-week -week basis? Well, you know, we have a lot. Well, one great answer is right here. Uh, here we are at IT Nation, our first one in Europe. And so this is a great way to stay in touch with our customers, right? We've got 350 folks attending here in London. And so that's a great way to stay in touch. Also, IT Nation, uh, we have another one in, in North America, and that's up to 3,000 attendees every year. But beyond that, we're constantly focused on community, right? We think it's so important to create a community out of our technology companies, the companies that we serve. So we know that they can learn a lot from us because we have a lot of domain expertise, but it's not just about what we know, it's about them sharing best practices with each other. And so we're very focused on creating community. So we have a number of community events, IT Nation Europe, IT Nation in North America. We have uh, 40 user groups uh, meetings throughout the world uh, every year. And so, you know, anytime that we can engage with our partners and, and, and share our knowledge and have them share their knowledge, that's where we think it's really creating a great advantage. And that's, that's really a place that we're different because we invest in the community and we think that we've seen a lot of benefits from that. And mostly with, our, with the success of our partners, our customers, we see tremendous success because of that community focus. I would absolutely agree. As a former ConnectWise MSP uh, myself way back in the day, one of the things that drew me to the product is, uh, first of all, your knowledge of the MSP industry, 
So the software clearly reflects the real challenges that are going on for MSPs. But above and beyond that, the uh, community, you've just got a thriving community here in the UK. It's uh, five hours ahead, isn't it? The um, um, the user group. and right. um, They named themselves. I was going to say, I was involved in the <laughs> naming named, decision. They, they named themselves. Back in the day, right? yeah. It's just we a, let all the user groups name themselves, right? a little bit of fun out of our, our uh, <laughs> North American friends there. But um, yeah, Roger Pagadala are the final step and Simon Heath and uh, everybody uh, there have got a thriving community together. I actually attended the um, the user group a few weeks ago here in London, and I was blown away by the level of um, encouragement the MSPs were, were giving to one another and helping one another so openly, freely, and honestly. It's wonderful. That is what we seek to create worldwide, right? We can learn so much from each other. Uh, everyone's like, they think they... It, there is no secret sauce. If we all help each other, all tides or all boats rise in the tide, right? And so that's been the philosophy and the concept of our community outreach. And it's been very successful here in the UK, very successful everywhere that we've gone, Australia and all throughout North America. It's been extremely successful. And I think people really appreciate the fact that we put in that effort to create community. And to us, that's where we really get a lot of our satisfaction, right? It's about watching them be much more successful in their business. Because if we do that, they get to implement more technology, spread it further, deeper and wider. And again, our kind of calling and our mission is to just make that happen. If we can create successful technology solution companies out there and they drive more technology into the businesses, that is where we believe that we will have our small little change, little difference in making the world better. Okay, I'd like to briefly pause for a second to let you know about my new book, The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide. I'm the former owner of an IT managed service provider business myself, so I know exactly what it's like to struggle to cope with the day-to-day stresses of running an IT business. I know there are days or even weeks when you get frustrated and wonder whether it's all worth it to go it alone. I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be like that. The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide contains a collection of easy-to-digest guides and tips on how to cope with the common tasks that cause IT business owners worry and stress. If you want to learn how to save time, avoid stress, and build a successful IT business, then you don't have to do it alone. You can buy the IT Business Owner's Survival Guide from Amazon or visit itbusinesssurvivalguide.com and download the first chapter for free. That's itbusinesssurvivalguide.com. In your view, having been in the MSP industry for some time and seen the development and the growth of the MSP industry, both this side of the pond and, and, and in North America as well, what is the biggest difference you see between North American MSPs, for instance, and the MSPs that you're now encountering in the UK and Europe? Well, I, I guess I would say I, their businesses... I. Oh, how do I say this without getting in trouble with one or the other? <laughs> be blunt. <laughs> be blunt. Okay, I'll be blunt. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, Americans are brash a little bit, right? They're loud. Uh, uh, they're kind of, you know, uh, no holds. No, no, I've no. always found you shy and retiring. No, so. I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> but, I mean, Americans in general are that way. I think what, what we see is that uh, here in the U.K. specifically – People, you know, business owners uh, are 
are more deliberate. And I, and I really like that. You know, I think that's, that's, that's a really good aspect. So what happens in America is they go and grab the latest and greatest technology and they'll go run with it. It's just a bunch of cowboys, right? Which is not a bad thing. That's a good thing, right? So they're out there on the front, taking arrows in the back, trying to make things work, pioneering things. So we see a lot of that in the United States and in North America. Uh, over here in the UK, it's like, prove it to me and then we'll do it. And when we do it, we're going to do it at the highest level. And so it's just a different cultural sort of philosophy. And I think it's really interesting, but we definitely understand the differences between the two. Yeah. Uh, and we honor both. We think both have their advantages, right? So, yeah. um, which, which leads me to my next question. So ConnectWise have always had a really good UK presence, even without feet on the ground in the UK. But we've talked about the, the London, the European headquarters now. Why now? Why move in? Why put feet on the ground in Europe now? Well, you know, we've had feet on the ground here for the last five years, but we've really been doubling down on our efforts. You know, took the office in central London two years ago and really grew the staff here. Well, the, the answer is plain and simple. I mean, uh, we once you have a certain number of partners in any geographic area, you owe it to them to be in their country. And so uh, you owe it to the economy to bring that base of, of, of revenue to that country, right? And so, you know, we have a UK operation, we're building, uh, we're creating jobs here in the UK, we're hiring all kinds of bright young talent uh, here in the UK. And I think that's, I think that's sort of a, a, a civic duty, if you will, number one. Uh, number two, it's something that you have to do. I mean, you have to, you have to honor your customers where they are, and then you have to be where they are. So, uh, we have more and more and more UK partners, and so it just makes sense for us to grow and grow and grow here. Yeah. And if I can, I'll touch on something you spoke about earlier, and this is asking a question to you as a person, Arnie. You, you mentioned um, you, your dad earlier on, your father, mm -hmm. and thankfully you um, ignored his advice when it came to the PC, which I think uh, you know everybody <laughs> would agree. Well, what, what, was the, what was the best advice your dad ever gave you? Yeah, you know, I guess the best advice my dad gave me, he was a career IBM uh, uh, branch manager. And, and he said to me when I was heading off to college, he said, you know, and he called me Arnie Barney. So whenever he said <laughs> Arnie Barney, you had to pay attention, right? He's like, Arnie Barney, let me tell you something. Uh, he said, if I had, you know, I have given my life to IBM and I have worked very hard for IBM. And if I had put my effort into my own business, it would be really interesting to see where I am now. And that he never said, go open your own business, but that was his way of saying, that's something you probably want to think about. And so he really put the spirit of entrepreneurship in me. And that was probably the best advice that he ever gave me because what's been awesome about that is to be able to have an idea, have a vision, have a concept, you know, one that I feel is, is something where I can benefit the world with my talents, if you will, uh, and to be able to have that uh, and to watch that grow and to see the success with our partners, there's no greater joy in life than that because that's a vocation. That's not a job. That's not a career. It's a vocation. And I think that's what he really was able to instill in me. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, we've uh, talked about your relationship with your dad. Clearly, he was a massive positive influence in your life. Who else would you cite as um, um, big influences um, on you, on your personal success? Well, I got to tell you, uh, Elon Musk. Really? Yeah, really. Uh, the reason Elon Musk is so intriguing to me is, number one, he is uh, co a contemporary. He, he is living today. And the man is amazing. Not only is he talented, but I think the big thing about Elon is he has a vision. He is trying to make the world a better place. 
and he will go to any length to make it happen, including bankruptcy. So he makes big bets, uh, he's all in, uh, and he's not afraid. And I, and I love that about him, and it's not about the money, and I love that about him. So he's really about trying to make the world a better place, and if he happens to make money along the way, well, good for him, and it seems to be working out for him. So he's a great inspiration for me. Um, he's probably my most current greatest inspiration right there. And we talked about fear. You're a man who strikes me as having very little fear. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, this morning that you were uh, up at 5 a.m. to go for a run across Hyde Park. Right. Um, athletics and um, um, strength and competition is a big part of your life. Um, talk to me about what you've done in the past in, in terms of personal challenges. How have you stretched yourself? <laughs> well, when I turned 50, uh, I started going through my bucket list, right? And I said, okay, what's on the bucket list? And, you know, uh, one of the things that was on there is, you know, run a full Ironman, right? You know, or to, to, to participate in a full Ironman. Another one was to swing, swim the English Channel. And so first thing is I, I, I took the challenge of Ironman on and, uh, you know, I completed three of those and said, well, I got to do something different. Looked at the checklist. I said, oh, English Channel, uh, which is what's endeared me to the UK here. Yeah. I spent a lot of time here in Dover practicing <laughs> in your very cold waters here. I've never even been to Dover. You're the other <laughs> side of the planet and you've been there much more than me. So, yeah. so, you know, I completed the English Channel in 2013 and that was, uh, that was a big life accomplishment for me. And it also got me very, very sort of... Uh, engaged with the whole culture over here. I spent a lot of time uh, in the UK practicing for that. But I think the reason that I've done those things, I, I think it's really helped me as a CEO and it's helped me as, a, as an entrepreneur because the one thing that I learned from all of that, it was about discipline, about training, but mostly it was about facing your fears. The reason I decided to swim the English Channel was because I didn't think I could do it. I wanted to see if I could surprise myself, if I could face that fear and overcome it. And let me tell you something, swimming in those channel, yes, it's a physical feat, but it is 90% mental. You just have to keep going and it doesn't matter how cold it gets. Uh, so, and I even failed, right? So in 2012, I, I made my first attempt and I got four miles from the coast of France and I started going to hypothermia and I had to, I had to call it quits, but I came right back in 2013 and made it all the way across. So, and then after that, I said, all right, let's go on a tear here. Let's see if I can get the triple crown, which is the English channel swimming all the way around Manhattan, uh, swimming from Catalina Island to the shores of LA. And then also the Tampa Bay marathon swimming from uh, the entire 24 miles of Tampa Bay. So those are just challenges that I throw in front of myself. And I always like to have some big, huge physical challenge outside of business at the same time that I have all of my challenges in the business, it, it helps to keep me balanced. Yeah. Do you find it has a knock-on effect, what you, how you challenge yourself physically on a personal level? Does that uh, inspire success uh, for you as an entrepreneur? Do you try harder as an entrepreneur as a result of that? I do. Yeah. Uh, I do try much harder as an entrepreneur because I realize that you cannot give up and that you can accomplish your goals if you're willing to put in, as Jim Collins says, the 20-mile march, right? Get up. Do what you need to do every day. Success is not a uh, success is never an instant in time. It's it's about those twenty mile marches that you made over and over and over and over again. And I think a lot of people get that confused. Everyone's looking for that quick hit, that immediate success. It it just doesn't exist. Uh, and so Jim Collins has done a great job. Great book. Great by choice. Uh, Jim Collins, perfect for every technology company out there to read this book because it really does address the key fundamentals of success. And so I think that's what it's really driven home to me. 
Cool. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes for, for listeners so you can uh, go and grab that book from Amazon. Returning to your professional career, as an entrepreneur, what would you say is the best decision you've ever made? Well, I think the best decision was to go into business and to pursue my passion, right? And that was to spread technology. I mean, you got to remember, it's like I've been doing this for 35 years now. And when we first started, it was the PC. And I realized, you know, I was a consultant at Price Waterhouse, and we were doing consulting for mainframes and mini computers. And they were charging me out way back then at $125 an hour. And I realized that that was technology being put in the hands of very few companies in the world. And so when the PC came out, to me, that was revolutionary. And it meant that, hey, look, we can put the power of the PC in every person's hands. And so that was the thing that really caught my attention. And that's why I dedicated my whole life to, you know, spreading that and, and, and making sure that others could spread that technology everywhere. And so I think that was probably... I would say that's probably one of the best decisions that I've ever made in my life is to follow my passion because, hey, look, at 58, you've got to have something that you're passionate about, right? That's what gets me up in the morning. That's what keeps me excited. And I think it will for a number of years. What about, um, are you a man prone to regrets? Do you ever look back? Is there anything that you would have changed in your uh, career? No, I, I really don't. I have no regrets because I feel like every challenge, every defeat that I've had has been a victory. In fact, when people ask me about the English Channel, I never talk about the time that I made it. I always talk about the year that I didn't make it and yeah. all that I learned from that. And so that set me up for success. So I think a lot of failures in life set you up for success if you're looking at it the right way. Yeah. What did you learn from that? What What was going through your mind where you were four, four miles off the, uh, the coast of France, the hypothermia was about to set in? Can you share that? What was going through your mind at that time? Well, when hypothermia sets in, you just start sort of... <laughs> it's not something I've ever gone through. Yeah, so, it's yeah. very interesting. It's very interesting. You know, I mean, it's like when you swim the English Channel, it's like your feet will go numb first and then your fingers will go numb and then it'll move up your legs and it'll move up your arms until basically the only thing that's not numb is your torso. And that's your body's way of saying, get out of the water. You're getting ready to kill yourself. So uh, you just start drifting off there. I think the thing that I learned from that, though, was... You know, and first of all, I got out of the water. Uh, it was, I really didn't want to. It was four miles. I could see the co cars going along the coast of France. I did wow. not want to get out of the water. Uh, but I knew that, look, I need to live to try to do this another day. This is not what I'm, this is not what my life goal is, okay? This is just a, an interesting, you know, uh, uh, event that I want to try and complete. So I wanted to, uh, to, to get out of the water learn from the mistakes that I made. I made a lot of mistakes, right? And I, I came up, immediately came up with a list of 20 things that I could do better. And so that next year, all I did is just work down that list. And I think that's what you can always learn from defeat. Don't, don't mope, you know, make a list. What could you have done better? And then go at it again. And how quickly did you do that? I mean, you, some recovery time. Was that list being built in your head right there when you were, you know, in the, in the boat returning? I'm, I am intrigued. Yeah, no, uh, I was so beat up. I was so exhausted. It took me about a day before I could even get out of bed. And as soon as I did get out of bed, I started thinking, it's like, are you gonna do this again? It's like, yes, you're gonna do this again. You don't quit, you're gonna do it again. And that's when I started making the list. So basically over a fish and chips in downtown Dover, I started making my 20, 20 list of 20 things and I started attacking them. Fantastic, well, it's an inspirational story. So I appreciate you sharing it so openly and honestly with me. So based on, if we return to business for a minute, Arnie, based on what you've seen of the evolving MSP market, um, what should MSP serving uh, the SMB market, if we're specific, be very aware of for the next 18 months? Well, I think the thing to be aware of is that 
you know, the, there has been this one set of products that has really fueled the managed service industry. And that really is that whole Microsoft stack of products. It's Exchange servers, it's SQL servers, it's having that whole office productivity staff, a stack of Word, uh, Excel, PowerPoint, OneNote, under the roof of the client. That's the thing that's really fueled the managed service industry because those are mission critical applications that you cannot go down, right? They cannot go down because the productivity of the office workers just is stopped dead in its tracks. You can't, you can't survive without email. So, you know, the one thing that I would encourage them, that's, you know, obviously there's a line of business applications as well, but that's the one constant. And that whole stack of solutions is popping up into the cloud. Microsoft's offering Office 365. It's absolutely uh, the direction that they're going. They don't want to sell uh, licenses on premise anymore. And so the whole reason, one of the main reasons that that managed services has evolved is because mission critical technology was sitting under the roof of the clients. So my message is follow where that technology is going and be good at delivering cloud services. And so we've even created a solution that's completely integrated to the ConnectWise platform, right? It's called Cloud Console. And it lets you manage, monitor, and bill your Office 365 instances and Azure. So that whole Microsoft stack that we've always had under the roof that has created the initial reason for managed services, uh, that's moving to the cloud. So follow it and provide the services necessary for that. Get Cloud Console, get the ConnectWise platform. And what we've noticed is companies that are doing that, like Duncan Reed of Icelandic up in Edinburgh, Scotland, he has followed that trend perfectly. And so what he's been able to do is maintain his managed service contract with each and every client, move their Microsoft Office stack to the cloud, understand all the new things that he can do with that stack in the cloud, help them become more productive with that. And you can do that, right? There's a lot of great solutions. OneDrive, you know, people don't understand. There's a whole consulting engagement around centralizing your files and making them accessible from anywhere, anytime. There's a whole uh, consulting engagement associated with OneNote. There's a whole, cons many consulting engagements associated with SharePoint. So it's not just about Word. It's not just about Excel or PowerPoint. It's about those consulting engagements that you can put in front of them. But what, what, what successful managed service providers have done is they've also become cloud solution providers. And what they've done is they've got, been able to not only maintain their managed service revenue, but increase it because they're adding a whole new layer on top of it. Guess what? Here's the good news. Yes, Microsoft stack might have created the reason for managed services, but guess what? Managed services is never going away. The need to manage and monitor and keep the technology under the roof up and running is always gonna be there. But you need to also provide that cloud service solution as well. You've gotta own that stack in the, in the cloud and you've gotta be helping your clients with that. So that would be the one big message I would get across to all managed service providers. Also become a cloud service provider. Great advice. What's next for ConnectWise? What's on the agenda? Well, we have all kinds of plans. I mean, we're always, we're always, you know, we, we have all kinds of visions and plans, but I mean, I think really what we're really focused on now is, you know, very tight integration, seamless integration of our entire platform, a consistent user interface and user experience, very similar to what you see with the Microsoft stack of products, right? That's where we're driving our solutions. And though, and then we also are looking out two and three years and figuring out what, what do our partners, what do our customers need uh, as we look into the future? And so cloud services, we knew that was gonna be important. So we created Cloud Console. We believe that chat, 
because you talk, you know, I asked today, it's like, how many folks have teenagers? Great. How many of them answer their cell phone when you call them? No hands went up. Okay. How many of them answer email when you send them email? No hands went up. Then I said, how many people, how many of them answered their text? All the hands went up, right? So the new generation that's coming into the workforce is going to expect you to be able to chat with them to provide support. And so we've got a great chat solution out there as well. So, you know, really focusing on filling in kind of the cracks around the ConnectWise platform is, is important for us. And then expanding that ecosystem. You know, we're very focused on open APIs and very robust APIs so that anyone and everyone can integrate to that ConnectWise platform, therefore expanding that ecosystem so that Hey, look, if you're on ConnectWise and if you're on the ConnectWise platform, you're going to have lots of choices. And so you can't go wrong. And that's really where we're focused is, is make it so that, hey, look, partners can get any kind of application they want. It's going to be integrated to the ConnectWise platform. Great. I'd wish you the best of luck with it, but um, I think you're a man who doesn't need luck. You work hard enough that you don't need luck anymore, Ronnie. I'm very conscious of the time. You've been up since 5 a.m. running across Hyde Park this morning. We've got a party to go to later on on Richard Branson's right. rooftop terrace there. Yes. So I will let you get on at this point. But if anybody wants to find out any more about ConnectWise or get in touch with you uh, personally, how would they reach you? Well, uh, first of all, the website is www.connectwise.com. Or that's you can go there. You go connectwise.co.uk. Okay, so we've got both. Uh, and connectwise.co.au. Uh, so we've got that as well. So... Uh, you know, that's where you can get all kinds of information about ConnectWise. And then uh, for me personally, um, you can send me an email. It's arnie at connectwise.com. Thank you. Arnie Bellini, you've been a fantastic interviewer. Really appreciate your time today and your hospitality here in London. Thanks so much. And I'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you very much, Mr. Tubb. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners. You can find the show notes and bonus content for this interview, along with dozens of other interviews with IT business leaders over at www.tubblog.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, then we'd really appreciate your rating and review over at iTunes. Every review helps us reach new listeners and helps raise the bar for success in the IT industry. In our next episode, Richard speaks with Craig Fulton to discuss ConnectWise's new suite of products, single invoices for clients, and being user-centric as businesses. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you on our next episode. Have a great day. Okay, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors, The Email Laundry. The Email Laundry combines security services with your customer's preferred email service to give them a truly enterprise-worthy email system. Well, what does that mean? Well, as an IT business, whether your customers are using Office 365, hosted exchange, an on-site exchange server, or any other type of email solution, cloud-based email security from The Email Laundry is a neat and effective solution for your customer. It will block spam and virus email with an impressive catch rate. Put simply, when your customer's email server is protected behind the email laundry, they'll thank you for the security it offers them. Now, the email laundry are offering free email security for your own domain to all listeners to this podcast. All you have to do is to sign up for a free partner account through the special listener URL, www.theemaillaundry.com forward slash tablog. 
Use that link to have your own domain filtered for free for one year. And there's more to this special offer. If you bring on board 100 paying mailboxes during your first six months, the email laundry will give you your own domain for free for another 12 months. So that means two years of the email laundry service for your own domain for free. Sign up for the email laundry now using the special listener offer at www.theemaillaundry.com forward slash tublog. 